Insights for Building Your Patient's Medical Home. I'm Lori. And I'm Michelle, and we're with the Alberta Medical Association. So in this episode today, we have Dr. Rick Ward joining us to talk about teamwork in the patient's medical home. Yeah, we, um, we know Dr. Ward, Rick to us, <laughs> really well. He's one of our, really a pioneer in Alberta in patient's medical home. And so um, we could have talked to him really about just about any implementation element of patient's medical home, but but we chose to talk to him about team-based care um, because his uh, clinic really does operate as a team. Exactly, Michelle, you said implementation element. <laughs> team-based care is right in the middle. There yeah. are eight implementation elements and, and how we're operationalizing the patient's medical home in Alberta. And we see, we've heard the theme coming up in previous podcasts mm-hmm. and thought it would be a great idea to sit down and uh, learn from Rick about what his journey looked like and to share that journey with other physicians. Yeah, and it's it's interesting as much as it seems like, um, you know, it can seem a, like a fairly intuitive concept. Uh, when there's been some research done on it, it actually has shown a number of benefits um, for patients, but also for the team itself and for physicians as far as things like, uh, well, we'll hear, we'll hear Rick talk about higher morale, better job satisfaction, both for physicians and team members. Uh, of course, there's some improvement in communication, which is not surprising, um, and, and improved teamwork processes. But I think the research that kind of surprised me the most me was around improved patient outcomes. Um, as well as satisfaction, that, that's not so surprising, but it's the, the, the quality of care that impacts the patient outcomes. Okay, so should we take a listen? Yeah, let's go. Dr. Rick Ward, thank you so much for joining us in our studio. And uh, we're, we're really excited to talk to you about team-based care in patients' medical home. But before we do that, we always ask our guests to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, my day job is a community-based family physician. Uh, I work in a a large practice in northwestern Calgary. Uh, I've been in practice for, OMG, 32 years. (laughs) So, and and I would say 80% of my patients uh, or their families have been with me on that journey so um, I've seen our practice grow from uh, um, for um, siloed physicians who sort of did their own thing and uh, wrote checks to pay for the rent uh, to a really integrated uh, clinic where we have 16 family physicians uh, a nurse practitioner um, working with uh, a very talented uh, group of about 60 to uh, provide care to uh, 23,000 patients. Wow. So uh, it's Come been on, a cool that's journey. That's quite the well-oiled machine you must Yeah, have now there. that's not what we want the listeners to do. That's not <laughs> the objective of this, but no, that's been no. that's been my medical yeah. home journey. Interesting. Well, it's you you one thing you said there was siloed. You moved from siloed care to this team-based care. And so when you first graduated from medical school and started on your primary care journey, what did it look like as far as team is concerned? Yeah, so um, team wasn't really so much of a concept. Um, there was uh, four or five of us who 
uh, like I say, worked together uh, in a clinic that had a name. Um, we shared expenses. Um, we uh, shared uh, a great nurse who, uh, who worked with us. Um, um, mostly to ensure that the docks were well protected and uh, didn't get bugged by silly stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we would meet to talk about um, how much we were paying for uh, paper clips and, uh, <laughs> and pencils um, um, once, uh, once a month or so. Um, until we had that pivotal moment when we looked at each other and said, uh, geez, uh, we meet with each other once a month uh, and it's costing us each about $300 in billings to do this meeting, so we should just stop meeting. So we started from a place of, of uh, being really disconnected except geographically um, uh, geographically aligned. Um, we'd have great talks in between patients and laughs. But uh, talking about how we provided care and the philosophy of the clinic wasn't a place that we started. Mm. Yeah. So what changed? Like what, what prompted yeah. the change? We had a visionary. And I wish yeah. I could say it was me, but uh, <laughs> I shout out to Peggy Offrick, who um, really sat down and said, you know, guys, um, we're on the hamster wheel, aren't we? Mm. Um, you know, we're uh, seeing more and more patients. We're getting them in and out quick because, you know, uh, rent's going up and uh, cost of living has increased and, geez, another kid wants to go to university. Um, and we were running faster and faster and just had this feeling that really patients weren't getting further ahead. We weren't providing the kind of care that we want to because we were really driven by volume and and driven by things that uh, that really didn't align with great patient care. Mm -hmm. And so she sat us down and created a vision, which is really the vision of the medical home, as really? we would call it wow. now. Um, and uh, we drank the Kool-Aid, and uh, here I am uh, still energized uh, 30 years wow. after. Wow. So how did your practice evolve then? What did it look like then? Well, you told us what it looked like then. What does it look like today? And what did it look like in between? Yeah, so I think um, if, if you looked at my practice um, when I started, it was pretty Rick Ward-centric. Um, you know, uh, we had our nurse who uh, deflected some stuff and did some stuff, and uh, the people uh, at the front of the house did their best to keep the rooms filled and um, um, find space for people one, two, three weeks down the road that needed to come in. Um, but it was, um, um, you know, we were really uh, trying to fend off the alligators draining the swamp. And um, we were playing whack-a-mole with, with problem of the day. Mm -hmm. There was no sort of thought to any of the big picture stuff. So when I look at the kinds of activities that we're doing today, um, we focus in on important metrics like um, uh, third next available slot. We have an emphasis on access. Uh, we look at quality metrics. Um, I work with an incredible team of professionals, pharmacists, behavioral health consultants, um, uh, dietitians, uh, health management nurses, where we sit down and in a collegial fashion, um, we look at some of the most challenging patients in my 
my panel and look about how to provide better care. Um, we look at protocol-based care so that we're doing things in a way that reflects the evidence and in a way where patients are really getting the best care. Uh, so the whole, you know, we have a vision statement. Uh, we put patients first in all our discussions. So it's really a way of, of providing care uh, uh, within a team that is really focused in on on patients, on providing good care, um, and having a good time and, yeah. and, and getting mutual support. So it's a, been a very cool transition. Wow. Now, was that a flick of a switch, or did that happen one nail at a time? <laughs> well, you know, it just, this genie appeared, and you've got three wishes, and no, I, I mean, right on. It, it, it really was one nail at a time, and, and it really was an evolutionary rather than a revolutionary process. Um, and I'll anticipate your next question is how did the first nail go in? And I think the first nail really was that vision is to say, you know what, I want to do things differently. Um, I sort of understand about what the medical home is um, and I want to commit to it. And so um, I, I think it's having that person or persons who really want to pick up the torch and, and start the journey. Um, and the journey is best shared and the best way I think is getting some help. And so um, uh, the blessing in that is, is that there's lots of expertise that exists in our province um, and through the AMA and through all of the PCNs uh, in terms of practice facilitators. And our journey really started with a visionary and somebody to come in and, and show us a roadmap. Um, they didn't sit behind the wheel, but they picked the best learnings and, and really helped us move forward. Um, and um, again, our, organ, our organized medicine peeps have really done a great job in nurturing those practice facilitators and those people who can come in and can help you hammering the nails. Very nice. I, I'm sitting here thinking about the level of communication that you must have amongst all of these team members. And did you kind of evolve from, uh, like, I'm going to refer this patient to the behavioral health consultant? And to, you said you have, you get meet as a group, it sounds mm -hmm. like. How did that evolve? Yeah, so I think we've, um, we laugh and say, um, uh, you know, we've got, we went from uh, an organization that hated meetings to an organization that really embraces them. Um, and, and meetings that become purposeful. And, and if that purpose is aimed at, at building a better medical home or providing patient care, uh, then the return on investment is, is easy. So it's an easy decision to make. Communications are so important when you're looking at, at team-based care and the day-to-day, -day. and so I'll, I'll separate that out from sort of the big picture work, which, um, which I think is really necessary if you're going to create a, a good medical home. And that day-to-day, -day, uh, I still think that the informal, um, hey, let me grab you in between patients. Uh, listen, have you got 10 minutes uh, to talk at lunch? I really need to discuss um, A, B, or C it is, is really valuable. I think that we're all in the people business. Mm -hmm. And so um, talking to your BHC or your diabetes educator uh, about some challenges uh, really goes a long way. Um, as much as I... 
uh, love dissing the EMR, I will have to say that electronic communications is really facilitates the ability to, to um, uh, work as a team. So part of the tasks that I go through uh, every morning will be reading the reports from the MDT who have, um, who have uh, shared the care of, uh, of patients. And so um, that also is, is invaluable. Mm. I'm curious about um, about the team and whether this has impacted their morale and, and perhaps your rate of turnover of, of people in the, who are working in the clinic. Yeah, I think I think uh, you make a good point. And, and looking at the evidence, I think that there's uh, really good evidence for the fact that team-based care does not only improves outcomes, particularly in your patients with more uh, complex uh, care, but it also shares the burden of care. Um, so I, I can tell you personally, it's a weight off my shoulders when I can sit down with my BHC and talk about a patient with a really complex mental health problem. And um, if that means sharing care, or if it means me just getting some perspectives on how I'm dealing with that patient or awareness of an outside resource. so. It helps my stress level and my morale. Yeah. Um, also, it is so purpose-driven when you are working together to provide care to patients. Um, and I think there's nothing that maintains morale and excites people than to feel that they're really making a difference with patients who they care for. And um, I think your ability to feel meaning in your job is supersized when you're working together for a common goal and and ride the wave with patients. So um, mm -hmm. I think uh, I think that's one of the soft benefits that, that we all experience. How did your patients react to working with team members rather than just being able to see Dr. Rick Ward? Yeah, so, you know, it's it's an ego-challenging evolution <laughs> to go from a doctor who thinks he's the center of patient's universe uh, to sort of sharing that halo. Uh, and again, uh, Doug Stitch taught me the concept of, of sharing the halo and uh, one that I've referred to in another podcast. Um, and that really is you transmitting to your patients um, what you feel inside, which is is that you're blessed to work with people who have got great skills, who you feel trust in sharing care with, and in fact, and this is the hardest one for me, they actually know more about a lot of this stuff than I do. <laughs> so when I have them see the dietitian, it is not a big stretch for me to say, you know, I think this person knows way more about healthy eating than I do, guilty as charged. Uh, but that extends to um, uh, my three excellent pharmacists who see a lot of my patients with hypertension. And I, I say, you know, um, these people are going to help you learn the skill of self-monitoring. They're going to talk to you about targets. They're going to give you all kinds of advice about ways to control your blood pressure without medications but when, when and if we need to initiate therapy, uh, they'll also spend time explaining that and the benefits. So um, I think uh, 
teamwork really is team and it really is 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 working in conjunction with as opposed to the hot potato mm-hmm. uh, oh you've got blood pressure I don't do blood pressure I'm gonna have you see uh, what's his name down the hall who yeah. Uh, yeah. who will look after your blood pressure so um, you know the relationship matters wording matters and and that handoff really matters so um, I think for me that was one of the skills that I had to learn is to uh, put my go away and to recognize that um, other members of the team um, uh, can care for my patients just as much as I care for them and can provide better care than I can in, in their scope of uh, scope of um, practice and, uh, and sphere of uh, expertise. Wow. Now you've talked about the pharmacist, the nurse, the social worker, dietitian, other interdisciplinary team members. What about physicians who don't have access to these team members in their clinic? How can they yeah, how can they think about yeah, teamwork? Yeah. Shout out to Mark Joyce, who a uh, uh, great solo uh, doc uh, who worked in the Northwest, and um, he enlightened me uh, into the way that you can use your pharmacist, your community pharmacist. He called me up and he says, Rick, you know, I've heard you talking about teams and you know I'm a solo guy. Um, I found out that the co-op pharmacist who works right next to my building or right next to my office, they have a certified respiratory educator. And they said, hey, we can do smoking cessation classes. And so what I've done is I've started to develop a list of patients who I'm sending over there to have a smoking cessation class. So um, if you're saying I'm a solo practitioner and I'm working by myself, um, the creating the team is probably the, the first step. And um, I would look no further than your community pharmacist. Um, your com- the community pharmacist uh, in my uh, IMO, as uh, my kids would say, uh, is the most underutilized healthcare professional in our system. And guess what? They are the professionals that your patients have the most number of touches with in a year. Um, they're going by to ask their questions about the vitamins. They're often in their shopping uh, circuit. Uh, so they have frequent touches with the pharmacist on a daily basis. They also um, are developing increased level of skills. So many of them are certified diabetes educators. Many of them are respiratory educators. Some of them have expertise in weight loss and uh, helping patients with with other chronic diseases. So building an alliance with your community pharmacist is a way to expand team. And for something as simple as how to use uh, an inhaler device for a patient with COPD or asthma, um, the community pharmacist is your friend. And they can take the burden of an activity that really needs to happen, but needs to you need to spend time with mm-hmm. to be able to do it properly. And, and again, I think for um, the people who are listening to this or are like me, time is, is, um, is one of the challenges. So mm-hmm. um, not only will they give quality care, uh, but that'll also allow you to have more time to be able to do all the other fun things like insurance forms. No, not really, <laughs> not really Yay. insurance forms. You'll have a good time. It's funny you mentioned that in one of our previous podcasts with Dr. Sarah Smith was about how she used uh, the care plan as a communication document with 
community pharmacist mm-hmm. uh, to kind of get on the same page, literally, uh, about patients mm-hmm. and the success she's had there. Um, I was thinking about, as you were talking, um, you have, you know, we're all human beings and you bring a big team together, working together in a clinic. Do you ever run into conflict issues or oh, you know, changes never. It's all gumdrops <laughs> and rainbows. Yeah, no, I think um, I think that um, the flip side of uh, the, the dark side, and that's I'm saying dark side, but it's really not of working as a team are conflicts. Um, and I think the cool part of having conflicts is, is that often what comes out of it um, is growth for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so if that's a patient-related conflict, uh, at the end, talking with your, um, with your teammate about it, the patient ends up benefiting because those clinical, well, why don't we do this? Well, I think we should do this. Again, you're, you're talking about what's, uh, what's better for the, uh, the patient. I think collaborative decision-making reduces the opportunity for conflict, but out of conflict really comes growth and comes new ways of looking at things. So, you know, I would make the argument that in the team where there is no conflict, maybe there's too much, there's not enough challenge and not enough innovation that's happening. Okay. Well, unless you have any more questions, Lori. Well, we have our final, our question, final question, but we're, yeah. we're modifying it, especially yes. for you today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we usually ask if you could give one piece of advice uh, to your colleagues on, in this case, working with teams. But today we're going to ask you for three pieces of advice. So if there's mm-hmm. three places that uh, one of your colleagues could start uh, working with a team or, or pick up from, from where they are, uh, to really accelerate their team-based care, what would those be? Yeah, I, w- I would start off by saying uh, take time to plan the architecture of your medical home. Um, failing to plan is planning to fail, and even though you may take that hour and say, geez, that's a big chunk of time, the degree of efficiencies that will come out of that planning and that discussion and that review will actually pay off hugely in in the long run. Um, Because part of working as a team and part of getting off the racetrack and going into that pit stop and looking at the big picture is recognizing some of the inefficiencies that um, you that any practice gets into um, when they don't reflect. Um, I think the second piece of advice um, would be phone a friend. Uh, that um, that you know if you were designing the medical home um, and there's lots of great medical homes out there and lots of people who can help you to design the medical home that really is meant for you, use that resource. And we are blessed in Alberta with having lots of uh, talented, energetic people who can really help uh, and the improvement facilitators either available through the AMA or your PCNs uh, really can help guide you through, uh, through the process. Um, and I think that the third piece of advice I would have is, is um, start thinking about team and start thinking about team in a way that um, is going to uh, focus around what your patient needs are. Um, and of course, how do you decide what your patient needs are? 
um, it's looking at, again, some of the resources that are available. The Health Quality Council practice uh, assessment uh, that uh, we get on a regular basis has been invaluable for us in helping to align uh, the kinds of resources that we need in our medical home with the needs within the medical home. Um, so I, again, the three, thing is, uh, three things are, one, uh, take the time to plan, uh, do this purposely. The second is, is involve the professionals who are available to allow you to do that. And the third is, is start by creating your team and creating it around the needs, unique needs of your medical home. Great. One nail at a time. Oh, oh. nicely <laughs> I like it. Well, thank you very much. We've we've learned a lot, and uh, I think we could probably spend three hours talking about this. But uh, but we've condensed, I think, the pearls. And uh, you're welcome back here in the studio anytime. Hey, thanks, and to the listeners, uh, enjoy the construction process, <laughs> uh, and uh, it really is uh, worth the effort. Thanks so much for tuning in. Check out the show notes for links to the tools, resources, and websites that were referenced in this podcast. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a comment, tell us what you thought, and what you'd like to hear more about. And until next time, grab your hammer and keep building, one nail at a time.